Welcome back, dear listeners, to the Pasithea Powder. The following recordings continue the galaxy-spanning adventures of Lieutenant Sophie Green and everything she had to face after the war. Last time, Jane adjusted to her new life on Medea and tried with middling success to accept an obvious truth. Sophie Green was gone and never coming back. A very special thanks to premium patrons Cece Vaughn, Abby, and Lacey Buchta, who helped make this episode possible. This is episode 24, Mission Creep. Let us begin. Sophie. Sophie! Sophie, you have to look at me. Sophie, please! Sophie, this isn't a hypothetical scenario. This is one of those right or wrong situations. You're dead wrong! Dead. Dead wrong! Your food. Why is it always you lately? Your food. You could say something else. You must not be very good at mind reading. The real her would definitely have more to say to me. Okay, bye then! And I said I didn't like that plant thing. It tastes like feet. Where was I? Oh, right. Day whatever of living with the others. I lost track. They only just let me have this thing after probably months of me begging for one. They offered me a tablet at first, or something that looked like a tablet, but I'm... I'm better dictating. Writing like that makes me think of school. Anyway, Omicron had them give me this recording device a couple days ago, and I literally just figured out how it works this morning. It's pretty slick. No visible buttons, and it... smells, kind of. Like my pocket ponies used to smell as a kid, mixed with old churches. I don't trust the smell. It's too familiar. It makes me think, like, maybe here's another thing they climbed into my head and found. Here's another fucking mistranslation of a copy of a sense memory I didn't even know I had. It's hard to know when I'm awake. I started having these crazy dreams almost the second I got here. Piles of skulls speaking some made-up language. My mom rocking me to sleep. During the day, the same people keep visiting me. My mom, Anders, even Moreau, Cullen, and her. She's the worst one. She's like that old winter story. Past wrongs rising up to haunt me, like the 
wound is draining and all this other stuff is coming out and Anna fucking Allegros just keeps coming into my room and staring at me like a ghost. I know it's not really her, I know there's no one here for me, but it doesn't matter. Omicron didn't get why I need this thing, this recording thing, when we're too far away for it to even be connected to the system. I can't use it to do anything but talk to myself, but I do need it because if I'm using this, I know I'm awake. We're so far away they had to put me in, like, a coma or something for part of the flight. I don't really remember that part very well. Just flashes of before and then coming out of it and feeling more disgusting than I've ever felt in my life. Omicron said that they weren't sure I would make it since they've never tried bringing a human all that distance before. He explained how it worked, but I didn't really get it. <laughs> he told me how far away we are, but I didn't get that either. It was like he said the number and my brain just went smooth and the distance just slid off it. It was too much of a shock to feel anything about it. I should be excited. I've always wanted to travel far from home. I guess I could describe the room they gave me. It's, well, it's really fucking nice. A little more ornate than my usual style. A little, dare I say, frilly, but here we are. There are huge windows. I don't know whether the sun is similar to ours or whether there's something on the windows to make it seem that way, but the light is so familiar. It's so wrong how familiar it is. Like, it would be better if it were just dark all the time, or the sky was deep green, or even constantly gas cloudy, like some of those PSA planets. But no. I've got these beautiful windows and this beautiful view of what looks like spiky, twisty mountains. They curl. It's hard to explain. I'm going out on a walk later, and I'll finally get to taste the air. Omicron says it's safe for me to breathe, which, how would he know that? I guess we'll see. It's not like I've seen a respirator anywhere. They've got me wearing clothes, at least. I can't tell what the fabric is. It's stiff but comfortable all at once. Fucking weird. And it's cut like they saw my shirt and pants and underwear and all that and just, like, eyeballed the vague shape of what all that should look like. I'm feeling kind of breezy, not to get too specific about the junk situation. When I... When I woke up here, not out of the coma, but on the first day, I thought I had died. It's just like, it's just unlike anywhere I've ever been, and it's so close to looking human, but it's just not. I thought, and I don't even fucking believe in this, so I don't know why I thought it, but I thought that if the priests are right and there's an afterlife, then this might be just about the one I deserve, because, and it's too soon to know for sure, I think it might be designed to make me slowly lose my mind. That or... <laughs> I don't know. I really am here. I really am on this alien fucking planet. And I have no idea what I'm supposed to be doing. What's up with this? You said you wanted to go for a walk. Yeah, by myself. Not walking circles arm-in-arm arm with you like I'm some Alma Perez character. I don't know what that means. Don't you have stuff to do? I do. But this is more important. Right. 
Like you're not some crown prince or something. The other day, those, I don't know what to call them, guards? They looked like two teachers I had in high school, but they followed us all the way to that living room thing, and they seemed mighty deferential to you. And, yes, they've been with me since childhood. Are they watching us now? They know how to keep out of sight. You see them, it's because they want to be seen. You saw them the other day because my guardian wanted you to see them. He doesn't trust you. So, run this by me again. Your guardian is... You would probably call him my father, but we don't distinguish kinship ties in the same way. He's the head of my family, let's say. Right. And your family is... royal. No. So why the palatial house with the conveniently lockable rooms for prisoners? We're well off. We are one of a collective of families who see that decisions are made in the best interests of our people. Oh, like Medea? They voted you in? No, they didn't have to. Our families have been fair and considerate representatives oh boy. for- <laughs> That's quite a tone to take from someone in love with a tyrannical monarch. <laughs> okay, one. I'm not in love with Reina Valencia. I just think she's really amazing and hot, okay? Two, she's not tyrannical. What the fuck? Was that something you overheard in the PSA? Because they are shady as shit. You can't trust them on that stuff. I didn't bring you here to argue about Reynal Valencia. Okay, then don't compare her to your creepy family. They're not... My family isn't creepy. None of the seven families are. You say so. I don't trust him, least of all your guardian or whoever. Fine, because... He doesn't trust me either. Got it. I don't think he trusts me much either right now. Thinks I'm spending too much time with you. Yeah, about that. Not that I'm not thrilled to be constantly hanging out with a person who abducted me, but you have been dropping by a lot. What's that all about? Well, since you shot me with that stuff, repeatedly shot me, I haven't felt the same as before. I thought you said it had worn off. I may have overstated things slightly. Yes, it wore off, yes. I can change forms again. No, I can't seem to assume any other form around you, regardless of the thoughts in your head. Not that you think of many people. You're remarkably self-centered. Did you know that? Get to the point. The point is that the form I was born into should be my default, meaning it should be the form that requires the least amount of energy to maintain. I should feel natural in that form, effortless. Since you shot me, the only form that feels natural is this dead human. And the only company that feels effortless is yours. Holy shit. That's fucked up. Thanks a lot. No, I mean, thank you? I'm touched? Or, sorry? That one? I'm sorry. Did it... Why did the Pasithea make this happen? Did it rewire your brain? Do I look like I know the answer to that? It's <clears throat> unbecoming. It's vaguely disgusting to them. They keep running tests on me, but so far no one can figure out what happened. I, I can't hold still long enough for some of the tests to run properly. Well... None of that's your fault, so it's pretty shitty of your guardian to suddenly think you're untrustworthy because of it. 
I know you'll take this the wrong way, but we are an incredibly complex species. Compared to us, you are basically sea slugs. So it is my guardian's considered opinion that if anything happened to me at your hands, I must have let it happen. And if I let it happen, I must have had a reason. As a result, I guess you could say I'm on probation until you determine what that reason was. Luckily, I'm also a very valuable source of information, as are you. We encountered each other and lived to tell the tale. Did you? Did I what? Did you let it happen? Did you have a reason? Do you have a reason for everything you do? I... I wanted to understand humanity. I couldn't get close enough. I had to get closer. Is that what I'm doing here? You were our lab rat, now I'm yours? Why haven't you handed me over to the scientists then, having too much fun feeding me disgusting food and trying to teach me board games I don't understand? You don't understand them because you're missing an entire plane of understanding. And also because you never listen to the directions. I was going to hand you over to the scientists, but... You give me up? You stop being important. I never cared about that. You lose me, and you're just stuck being Evelyn around people who don't trust or respect you. You trust me? That wasn't what I... Obviously not. What I'm saying is, you don't want to lose control of me because right now I'm your only bargaining chip. And I guess your only... Not friend. No, definitely not. Ally? Extremely tentative ally? Ally. Wow. You really just shook my hand. That was really... That is such a... That is something Evelyn would do. He's still in there. No. You just made that face and it froze like that. No. I mean, he's still in there. That's... This is weird. You're messing up my... Oh, I'm sorry. Hair. No, it's okay. Um... I can't explain to you what it's like to be able to see into someone and choose what thoughts to make visible. I could try... But I doubt you'd understand. No. You would probably think of it as intimate, but it's not intimate. It's like moving or breathing. It's not difficult until you think about it too hard. Ever since you shot me with the cure, I'm so aware of what I'm doing. It is intimate. And you feel so sad. I'm sorry I can't change forms more easily. I would if I could. I assumed that when I brought you back here that I'd hand you over and be done with you. My dream was that somehow our experts could use you to open a line of communications with the humans, explain our cyclical grazing patterns, convey that we meant no harm, and leave it at that. But they can't communicate with you. Last week... I think last week, my mother came into my room and asked me about my childhood. Did I really do such a bad job? It was awful. That wasn't someone asking me about my childhood. She was asking you for your health history. She tried, but you heard what you expected to hear. They aren't able to communicate with you. 
only I can communicate with you because you shot me. Oh, right. So it seems that even if I wanted to wash my hands of you, I can't. They're both too important. Great. You, you've done very well. You've been very good. They don't trust you because you're human, not because you haven't been a model prisoner. I try. It's not bad. I just wish they wouldn't keep coming in, staring at me like I'm some kind of zoo animal. My mom. Anna fucking Allegros. Cullen. Those PSA flunkies when I'm feeling murderous. Anders. Constantly. That's... That's when I'm feeling really lonely. Like I just need someone to drag me out of myself and sing fucking karaoke or something. Ugh, even goddamn Salazar and Steptoe were here the other day. And Jane. Always. Just before I go to bed. Or when it's like mid-afternoon, you know? When the day just feels hopeless, too far gone, still so much left to get through. That is when Jane shows up. She never speaks. What's that about? And Evelyn. I always think it's you at first, but it's not. It's just someone else, some other him. All the time, Evelyn. Can I tell you? What? How much fun it was. I remember it. I remember... The fucking exhilaration of finding those Median ships and firing and being so sure I got them. And then the horror, like ice, like my strings had been cut that I'd missed or that I hadn't missed and the others had and that they'd done it because of me. And either way, I'd done the one thing I'd never, the one thing I'd never intentionally. <laughs> That's a lie, too. I mean, you hear about those people who really, um, well, I mean, they like killing and a Median's a Median, or a Cassandran's a Cassandran. You heard about them on both sides, and I told myself, when Evelyn got up on his horse about slaughter, it's not slaughter, bro. Slaughter is haphazard. If you're doing it right, if you're staying professional, it's more like darts. Quick, clean. Slaughter is what happens when you like it too much. And he said, it's all slaughter. He said, and how good can you actually be at darts anyway? I took the starter out of Captain Mitchell's ship once. I flushed it down the toilet. I was with him on the run right before, and I could see from the way he was flying, and if he had been on the ground, he would have been one of those ones you read about from the propaganda streams. So I made it so he couldn't fly anymore, and when I told Evelyn about it, he just shrugged like it was nothing, like I hadn't put my entire career on the line. That was the second time we didn't talk. Or the third... I can see his face so clearly. That shrug was so... I was so angry. It was like he was saying that what I did didn't matter, that even when I tried to make him proud, it wasn't enough, that this thing I was good at was meaningless, and if all that was true, then what was the point? Everyone else I talked to in those days thought that I was the shit, and it wasn't like... I was keeping people alive. People were alive because of me. People who would have been too afraid to fly and really fucked up, really beyond comprehension fucked up, because you can't fly a ship afraid, you just can't. Those people saw me and the way I came at it, the way I slid into my cockpit like it was an extension of my own skin, and they weren't afraid anymore. 
This second lieutenant once told me that seeing me fly was like watching the greatest dancer in the world. Someone else, don't remember who, said it was weird to see me on land, like seeing a teacher at the supermarket. Like I wasn't whole. It's so easy not to talk about it, but now that I remember, I can't stop remembering it, no matter what I do. Civilians were dead. That was the first thing I knew. All the way back to base, I flew numb, like it was someone else's hands on the controls, and I listened to the comms, trying to find out exactly what happened. At first, all anyone was saying was that the Medeans were retreating too, so it had to be their people. No way would they let us clear if it were our people. And I thought... I thought, thank God. That's all right then. (laughs) Like, I was still shaken. I still couldn't feel much of anything. I was still ashamed of myself and what I did. But I, I thought, it's war. I thought, they weren't supposed to be there. I thought, I thought my punishment might not be too severe after all. Because even the Medeans know that there aren't supposed to be civilians in the neutral zone. No one goes into the neutral zone unless they've made their peace with death. It's like dancing on the edge of a building. I thought I'd be flying again in no time. Then the news came, patchy, from another of our ships on the line, that it was ours and theirs. Mostly ours. Then someone else said that they thought it must be the Salido del Sol. I was still in the ship. I was still flying, so I couldn't give it... I couldn't think about it. It wasn't just me up there. There were a lot of people I had to make sure got home safe. So I turned off my comms and just flew. And then I was back at the base, and I barely remember getting there. And No one knew anything more than they were saying on the comms, but the report was coming from a different base, and the wires kept getting crossed, and I had to go report to my commander, who he did shout at me, yes, but it was about, it was about taking unnecessary risks with expensive army equipment. It was about the formation I fired from. It wasn't optimal for evading return fire. He, call, he called me a show-off. He smiled at me. He told me not to talk to anyone about what I'd seen. And that was standard, but the last thing I'd heard was that it was the Salido del Sol. So the second I was dismissed, I pulled out my comms and I found a quiet corner and I tried to call Evelyn. But the fuel technician came over with a question about my ship and I had to go with her and sort that out. And then another thing and another thing. And finally, when all the debriefing was debriefed, I went back to my room and I sat on the bed and I called him. It rang a lot. I shared that room with another captain and I locked them out. I don't know where they slept that night. I wouldn't let it go to message. I just kept calling back. I think I sat there for hours, calling, hanging up, calling again, knowing he was dead. I broke the mirror. At some point I threw up. I thought about... I pulled myself together. I got in bed and turned off the lights and didn't sleep at all, not for like three days. It was a while. It was a while before the press got a hold of it. I was sort of sleeping by then. Six people, they said. It can't be that the rest were Medeans. Either way, how were those dozens of other people supposed to have died? Fell down a mine? Disappeared into the mist? I got leave for the funeral. His parents were... Evelyn was remarkable, and they never saw that. He disappointed them. Too loud. Too unpatriotic. 
too messy. It's like one thing to be able to remember everything I did. That's one thing. But to remember the way they talked about him, it's like he wasn't even real. I know why it never got out what really happened. What I did. I mean, fucking Blanc pieced it together, so it's not like it's impossible, but I mean... I know why no one who was there ever said anything, and it's not because of loyalty or duty or fucking Pasithea powder. It's because they're all dead. They didn't survive the war, or they didn't survive what the war did to them. There are entire towns all over Cassandra, the smaller ones especially, where the names cover the church walls. They're dead, and I'm alive. I know it won't work. I know we're too far, but can I call Jane? Can I please call Jane? Yeah. Yeah, here, you can try. Thank you. Wait until you're back in your room. Jane, it's me. I'm far away. Omicron is taking care of me, and maybe one day... I don't know. This feels too much like those letters we had on file during the war. <laughs> to send when, that kind of thing. You totally don't have to... She's a lot, but could you let my mom know I'm okay? Could you let Anders know I'm okay? I've been thinking a lot about... You... I don't know if you'll even get this, but I want you to know that I'm thinking about you. I'm sorry. I'm safe. I'm alive. Thank you for listening to the Pasithea Powder. This was episode 24, Mission Creep. Tune in next time to see if that call goes through. Jackie Hedeman was the voice of Sophie Green. Ian Andrews was the voice of Evelyn and Omicron. And Grace Carricker was the voice of the other, other slash Anna Allegra. Narration by the gentle plinking of violin strings by pink flushed fingers. And original music by Annie Moriondo. If you've enjoyed our little story, please rate and review us on your podcast player of choice. It really helps. You can find us on your favorite podcast player, on Twitter at Pasathea Powder, or on our website, PasatheaPowder.com, where show scripts are available. To help us do what we do best, please consider becoming a patron. For bonus content and to support production costs, find us on Patreon, or to make a one-time donation, visit our Kofi. The Pasathea Powder was created by Bad Wine Productions. This episode was written and edited by Jackie Hedeman. Our heroine will return in episode 25, Are You Trying? This is Valen Solarin, engineering lead lunar mining, seeking urgent status update on... 
well, Earth. Cheka, a science fiction audio drama. Nothing has been heard from the Mars colony since before Earth went silent. Maybe, uh, maybe they all died too. And all I will find is their bones. I could be the last. The last human. I cannot stay. Trost. Jaker. Could you, um, could you prepare the shuttle? Affirmative. Long or short range journey? Oh. Long. Very long. Welcome. I am Hugo. How may I have the pleasure of addressing you? It's Cheka. Cheka. Russian for seagull. Call sign of Russian cosmonaut Valentina Tereshkova, the first Earth woman. In space, yes, my... My mother gave me that name. Hmm. Probably time you got to know some non-human people. Oh, you, you mean like you? Yes. I am a delightful acquaintance. I... Yes, I'm sure you are. You frightened her. Ah, she'll get over it. She has other things on her mind. Cheka. For more information, please visit y2kpod.com slash Cheka. That's C-H-A-I-K-A. Repeat, priority communication to Moonbase. Get back to me and tell me this is just a glitch, all right? Please.